It's the 120 Podcast. Mikey Friendly alongside Ben Hootie. We've been doing a lot of our WZND responsibilities here at school. We've been doing a lot of games. We did games together this past weekend. If you listen in, that was awesome. We appreciate you doing that. But we have been doing kind of an off-season plan for 120. If you listen to our first interview uh, with Michael Carrico, if you haven't listened to that one, do that first. Now, today, we have another one for you with another Cubs prospect. We're going from the East back to the Midwest, a Minnesota guy, Brett Bateman is joining the podcast we did this interview about two weeks ago putting it out on this wednesday and we hope everyone likes it it's the 120 podcast mikey from ben hootie and brett bateman joining us for this episode in this interview brett good to have you on the show yeah nice thanks uh thanks for having me guys so you are out of minnesota and a cubs draft pick this season a lot of big time honors in your time at minnesota we saw you an outfielder and pitcher in college i'll start it off the bat what's the plan for the cubs fully outfield yeah only outfield we're, we're, we're done pitching for now notice freshman year uh pretty decent playing time not as much but after that your sophomore year hit right right around or above 300 and it's kind of been the same way in every form of baseball that you've played all the way up to myrtle beach what kind of help make that jump into a player that you that you could always count on it for a hit if need be uh yeah i mean i would just say the biggest thing was creating a two strike approach uh two strike adjustment um i think all of us would agree that today especially in pros uh strikeouts have been on the rise i remember seeing a tweet actually the other day about the percentages of strikeouts and it was like like 20 30 some odd years ago it was like under 20 percent. now it's like 33 percent or something like that so um you know just being able to still be able to put the ball in play and make something happen with two strikes, um, you know, has been a huge help, not only at the college level, but at the pro level, um, you know, because striking out doesn't do you any good um, when it comes to, you know, moving a guy over or just, you know, even giving yourself a chance to get a hit. So I would just say that's probably one of the bigger things. You're my age, you're Ben's age. We're all the same age here. Has it really hit you that you are, you know, part of a major league franchise now here in the Arizona fall league? Yeah, no, it's funny you say that because my first two weeks out in Myrtle, I kind of had like, I, I wouldn't say it was a slump, but it was just like it was a slow start. Um, and you know, it's a real, an imposter syndrome is a real thing. Um, you know, you just kind of hear, you're just kind of there at that point. And, you know, it, it takes a little while to get into a swing of things. And I mean, it's not just at the low A level, it's at every level, um, especially when you go up. Uh, it does change the, uh, the margin of error becomes extremely small and gets smaller and smaller, the higher you go up. So no, I mean, it, it, it still hasn't hit me yet. Um, I, I still feel like I'm playing college ball, honestly, like, you know, you go to lift, you're hanging out with teammates, you do stuff after with them. Um, but I think the only big difference is that you're getting paid. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's really the only big thing that, kind of has hit me but honestly from that I mean I still feel like it's the game of baseball and um, you see at pros level like that's just baseball that's how it is and um, yeah I mean honestly it still hasn't hit yet what is that dynamic like like being in Arizona all by yourself you know it's just a bunch of base basically college dudes are a little bit older than you like does it does it feel nice to, to have the ability to do that or is it is it kind of hard being away from home all the time what's that like no, it's great. Um, you get to hear all the stories of different guys. Um, you know, uh, you watch some guys on TV, like Rivera, for example. Like, I mean, he's been around 
college. You know, he went to Florida. They made the College World Series, and you hear about him, and then you meet him, and he's just like a, you know, just a normal guy. And he's got, you know, it's it's kind of weird. And I think when spring training comes around and you hang out with some of the pros and stuff like that, even if I'm able to be around him just for a little while, um, you know, that's that's something where it's just going to be like you, it's kind of stardom. Like you get starstruck and it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of here with them kind of. So, um, yeah, that's 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 a cool part about it. Just being able to hear all the stories and then getting to know the Latinos and. Uh, the Latin guys, or yeah, the Latino players like uh, Rojas and Hernandez, some of the guys with really bright futures, and just kind of hearing about, you know, their stories and watching them play and the way that they play and how it differs from the United States and some of the fire that they play with. So, you know, it's a pretty cool experience overall. Talk about Mesa, obviously from Minnesota. Ben and I are both coming to you from Central Illinois, where the temperatures just starting to get down here in late October. And I bet it's just still beautiful out there in Arizona at the time, right? Uh, it's still pretty hot. Uh, it's over 100 <laughs> here right now. Um, it's been like that, honestly. I think it's not supposed to cool down until next week. It's supposed to be like 86, 85, um, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I'm actually heading home this weekend, so... You know, I'll be back to when it's like 60. So I'll just throw on a hoodie and shorts and I'm gonna love it. So, but yeah, it's, it is, it is hot here. It's, it's a desert right now. I can't wait for it to, you know, be in the low to mid eighties for sure. Sticking to home here. I know that you grew up in Minnesota, obviously ended up playing for the Gophers. How special was that for you that you got to play for the college? I assume you grew up rooting for. And on top of that, how cool is it that you kind of get to stick in the Midwest after Myrtle beach? It's kind of just all Midwestern. You got South Bend, you got Iowa. So what was that kind of like for you that you kind of get to stick around at home as well as get to play for Minnesota? Yeah. I mean, like, like you kind of hit it right on the nail. Um, just growing up going to go for sports. I mean, it wasn't just baseball, it was hockey, it was football, um and you know i actually live only 10 minutes away from campus so just you hop on a highway and head north and that's it and you're there so um it, it's it's pretty cool it's a small world my dad's uh really good friends with the uh, john anderson and uh patrick casey the hitting coach in minnesota so um you know just being able to play for them being able to you know like i said put on the maroon gold is awesome so were you ever involved in, in anything else it's probably pretty hard to avoid hockey up there yeah, I uh, went to a few hockey games, uh, two few ba basketball games, uh, football, you know, just kind of the mix. Um, even even women's soccer, I have sides and teammates that, you know, had uh, girlfriends on the women's soccer team and they're, they're studs over there. So, um, you know, just, just kind of dibbling and dabbling, making some relationships with some, you know, athletes in different sports. Super cool. Kind of going back to baseball for a second here. I saw your highlight reel. It just probably one of the most insane catches I've ever seen. The one that you made at the Viking Stadium. That that was that was super impressive. Um, how how does defense play such a big role in your game? Because I could tell just not only from that clip, but just across just your your highlight reel. It just is it's it's there's highlight plays all over the place. How has defense always come easy to you, or is it something that you've worked on and truly uh and rooted in your arsenal yeah well i'm a left-handed five foot ten kid that weighs you know less than average so i've only played outfield my whole life i've never yeah. played first you know obviously i pitched but i never could play anywhere else so i'd always played 
in the outfield. I had always played in center my whole life growing up. So, you know, that's just, that just comes with time. And, you know, like I said, being able to stay healthy and play in a lot of different ballparks when it comes to big 10, you know, wherever we travel um, at the Viking stadium, just kind of stuff like that. You know, that's, that, that's what kind of helps you in the long run. Um, you know, just being able to be in different environments, watch how the ball travels. Um, but yeah, I would just say just, you know, it wasn't just trying to push to be someone else. Uh, I just kind of knew what I had when it came to my arsenal, I'm a faster guy. So, you know, just defense is a huge part of my game. I think it's starting to become a bigger part in the MLB today than what it used to be over the past few years. Um, especially and speed as well with the base paths or, or with the base sizes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's something that I never want to lose ever in my game because I think it's something that's an above average trait that I have for sure. You talk about being able to maybe pick the brain at some point of the guys, the pros when when spring training starts, for lack of a better term. And there's a lot of outfielders specifically on the Cubs who do have a lot of wisdom in Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki, Pete Carr Armstrong, now that he had his cup of tea, potentially Cody Bellinger. It, it doesn't have to be any of those ones I rattled off, but is there any veteran you're really looking forward to maybe getting a chance just to sit down with when you get the chance? Yeah, I mean, for sure, PCA would be a great one, um, you know, especially coming right off of a minor league. Uh, you know, he kind of went up the ranks pretty quick um, and just kind of pick his brain about what the difference is. Uh, what 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 are there not to do in the clubhouse stuff like that uh, for the pros and stuff like that because you know there there are things that you probably shouldn't do um, you know and then probably just Bellinger I mean he's been around the MLB you know everywhere so it'd just be pretty cool just to talk to him about his experiences um, you know maybe his approach to the plate stuff like that how it changes um, but for sure probably those two. In Midwestern guy, have you had the ability to stop at a Cubs game yet? Ever take a visit down to North Side and catch a game or anything like that since you've been drafted? Or I before that as well? I actually have not, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I know it's something that everyone needs to experience at some point in their life. Um, but hopefully I can make it there playing um, for my first time. That'd be pretty sweet for sure. When they say when, you know, what you walk up the steps as a fan at Wrigley Field into the grandstand, it's like the coolest feeling in the world. I, I think that would be pretty trumped by if you were just walking up the dugout steps as a player for the first time. I think that'd be a pretty unbeatable feeling. So we learned from Carrico last week that you guys are big Fortnite guys. You have a lot of fun just hanging out uh, when you when you have some downtime. What else is kind of the, the vibe over there in Arizona right now? You're obviously not practicing baseball all the time. What else do you guys do? Um. Well, I actually have a. Uh few friends from minnesota that actually just moved down here to tempe um that i spent some time with they have uh two kids one of them i played with growing up his name's will rogers he's currently at michigan uh playing for the wolverines he was playing at asu before transferred to michigan and then they have a younger he has a younger brother named drew who is committed to georgia tech who i think will get drafted this year actually at high school he's a very very good player so i actually spent a lot of time with them um, go to games. We went to ASU scrimmage to watch uh, scrimmage one time. Obviously, play a bunch of video games. Um, that's kind of a good way to spend time. And then probably not a great way to spend time is going to the casino. But, um, you know, it is something that we love doing. Uh, it's a great time just to get some of the guys together and just, you know, mess around with some of the cash that we get for sure. You mentioned video games. Um, I know me and Mikey talked about this when we like last week and how 
Well, I'm a big MLB The Show player. I, I Do you play yeah. MLB The Show at all? No, I actually just bought a PS5 last week. So I only have the free games. I'm still deciding if I want to buy PS Plus because it's 160 bucks. So we'll see if I want to pull the trigger on that. You know you have the, the ability to uh, put like send San Diego Studios an email and uh, get yourself a 99 overall card and uh, MLB The Show for Not online really. play. So really. If that attempts you at all to get the game, there, this isn't an advertisement for uh, MLB the Show, but just, just, uh, just throw it out there. An exclusive card, maybe, might have to. But talking a little bit more here about uh, moving into next season, did you enjoy your experience in in Myrtle Beach, and is that kind of the plan to to continue up in the in the Cubs minor league system into next year following uh, spring training? Yeah, I mean your your uh your thoughts and your assumptions are as good as mine. Not sure where I'm starting next year. We'll kind of see how that, you know, plays out. Um, they're not really worrying about that right now. It's just strength and conditioning. But Myrtle was awesome. Um, you know, the fans are great. Uh, it's a great ballpark. Coaches are awesome. Um, man, management management. Um, you know, the whole social media stuff. They do a great job down there too. They take a, they take a great pride in the ballpark. Um. You know, just being able to play on that nice field, the nice grass every single day is a blessing for sure. So, um, you know, overall, my experience for how short it was there was really good for sure. It's a beautiful place. I visited it for the first time this summer. It was in June, so I don't, I don't think you would have been down there yet. If I'm, oh yeah, you didn't even get drafted yet. So, yeah. Um, but at Myrtle Beach, had had some really nice numbers. What kind of Made, what what kind of went in that seamless transition? Obviously, you said that you felt like you were something a little bit when you first got down there, but I mean the numbers across the board are really solid. So what what kind of helped you uh, get into like that mode and just be able to be a really good hitter down there? Uh, not change anything to keep it short. Um, you know, I, like I said, it's baseball. Sometimes you do have to make adjustments and changes, um, but for me. Um, I've always just found going back to the, the building blocks of what has created me as a player um, when it comes to drills, whether it comes to pregame stuff, um, really just keeps me consistent. And that's a big part of my game, just being consistent, because, you know, I'm not going to be the type of guy to hit five home runs in a week. Um, but I am going to be the type of guy that to get on, you know, at a 40 percent clip, which is exactly something that is very valuable in today's game. So um that's just kind of what it is and just stick with my approach don't change anything and you know I knew it would come at some point it's just how it is you're gonna be in a two-week slump and then you're gonna be in a, you're gonna be in a three-week you know on fire for three weeks you know that's just kind of how the game is and it's just being able to stay in a balanced and nice level uh mindset it's probably one of the biggest parts about the game um especially when you play however many games they do in the minors 120 something 130 something so um, just being able to always be consistent and even keel is probably the biggest part um, and probably why I played pretty well on uh, the short stint that I was in for. Having been in college and in college athletics, kind of your whole career through the beginning of the pandemic into major league sports now, uh, and I even know that it's kind of in the rear view, how do you think that experience might have changed your your college experience and then has molded you into the into the athlete you are now? Yeah. So like you said, I mean, COVID was absolutely brutal, especially in Minnesota. Um, you know, we're, it's a pretty liberal state. So the lockdowns were a lot more extreme than what, you know, SEC schools had. Um, but I will say the one thing that I did take out of it was just being able to reflect a lot more and find a lot of more time in improving myself, not only as a person off the field, but or on the field, but off the field. Um, and, you know, I feel like that kind of 
not only gave me kind of like a reset button to kind of go back on during COVID, um, you know, just find new hobbies, um, reach out to people that I hadn't talked to in a while, but just take my mind off of baseball. Because, um, you know, if you think about baseball too much, that's not a good thing. You need to be able to have a drain. You need to be able to have a plug, you know, that kind of releases all the stuff because believe it or not, baseball is a game of failure. And if you're not able to handle the failure, you're not going to do well. So um, just being able to reset, find something new, um, talk to new people, uh, talk to people I haven't talked to in a long time. That was probably one of the biggest things for me. I just call uh, friends from high school, friends from middle school, family members, just stuff like that, just to reach out and reconnect um, to try and just disconnect for sure. What was the draft process like for you? Did you kind of have an idea that you were going to be drafted your senior year or was it after the Cape Cod League? Because I saw you spent some time down there as well. Where, where did you feel like your your stocks kind of started to bolster up? Uh, yeah, I would just say probably at the end of the year for sure. Um, but I, I wouldn't even say I was really talking with that many scouts uh, at the end of the year. I wasn't really a big buzz name kind of stuff like that, but I knew I had an opportunity in the Cape to try and make myself uh, a little bit, try and make my name a little bit bigger for sure. And, you know, that's, I had the opportunity to do that and I kind of took, took that the best I could um, played really well out there, had a lot of fun. And that's for sure something that really bolstered uh, my name up the charts. So I take it you grew up a twins fan. Am I right to assume that? Yes, you are. And, uh, and they had a, they had a fun little playoff run here this year. Unfortunately it fell up a little bit short, but We'll get into the Cubs specifically. Does it feel cool to be drafted by by such a historic organization? I'm I'm not trying to get you to you know say what the Cubs fans all want to hear. Be honest, but is there any party that's like, wow, you know, this is a, a pretty proud group to be part of? No, it no, you're you're 100 correct. I mean, the traditions, the the culture at Wrigleyville. I, I mean, I like again, uh, I I haven't been there before, but I know that it's among probably top five in the MLB for sure. And, you know, just, just knowing that, um, you know, I, you, you can go anywhere in the United States of America and I'm sure that you will find Cubs fans. So that's, that's just something where, you know, it's, it's a small piece of a huge pie uh, that, that kind of fully envelops the Cubs organization. Uh, they do it. They do a great job here as an org. Uh, they treat people with respect and, you know, just, just being able to represent the Cubs as a specific team, um, you know, means a lot. That's all, so awesome to hear. And you're totally right about that. Anywhere you go, it, there's Cubs fans thing. I was at Louisville, Kentucky a couple of weeks ago, and there were still W flags all over randomly. The team season's been over for a month. I, I don't get it. So it's cool mm -hmm. to see that you even you even know uh, without even ever been over to Wrigley. That's awesome. Well, Brett, we appreciate you doing this interview with us today. Is there any shout outs you want to give before we uh, let you go? Uh, yeah, I'll give a shout out to Mike Carrico for, uh, you know, getting her a little spiel on Fortnite. I actually think I might be playing with him later tonight. So we'll see. Is one of you like specifically better? Oh yeah. I'm way better than him. <laughs> I, I, I really hope you did not say that he's better than me. So he, uh, we, that won't even be in our interview with, with Mike. He talked about that after we had stopped recording, but now we kind of, Ben and I were both like, we got to bring that up while the mics are hot. When we talked to Brett. So that's no, he oh. just mentioned that he was going to go play with you. Cause Ben had mentioned, we're going to go interview Brett. And he said, Oh, we're playing Fortnite after. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we, we probably did. Um, I think we're also going to get a few other guys in there. I think Drew Bowser might be in there and maybe Cohen Moreno. We'll see. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get a squad assembled for sure. 
Love it. Well, thanks, Brett. We appreciate you doing this. Hopefully the squad gets assembled out there for the fall league as well. And, and you guys have a good uh, winter. Yeah, thank you. Huge thanks to Brett Bateman of the Chicago Cubs, your Chicago Cubs, I should say. Another great prospect interview, Ben. We really enjoy interviewing yep. those fall league guys. Um, so far, they all seem to be really interested in doing so. Hopefully, we'll get a few more of them in there. And I think my biggest bottom line through both Carrico and Bateman has been these guys are just you and me, right? They're yeah. just guys our age. They like playing video games. They like you know everything that we do. Uh, you heard from, from Bateman there. They like going out and having fun together. Uh, but at the end of the day, they are professional baseball players, semi-professional baseball players at this point in their life, which is so hard to fathom, but that's where they've gotten to. That's a dream, and they've achieved it, at least to that early level. Yeah, special thanks to Brett. That was an awesome interview. Um, was more than happy to have him on, you know, following the Carrico thing. And uh, more interviews coming your way, so we're ex- super excited for that. While we're on the topic of scheduling, really quick, Friday. Friday's only now. Uh, school kind of threw a, a little bit of a temper in our plans, but that's okay because now we get an episode every single week out to you. Crosstown Trivia Classic. Uh, if you've been keeping up, we've been through three rounds so far. Just got done recording Nick Kane versus Tony Slater-Martin. So that will come at you on Friday. This is obviously releasing on Wednesday. So Friday is Tony Slater-Martin versus Nick Kane. And then next week we get into the next round and that will feature Mr. Fernelli over here against Domimedio. So super excited oh, for that one. Uh, yeah, so thank you all for the support on uh, the Crosstown Trivia Classic. I think it's been going super well so far, and we're still going. We have four episodes left remaining, and I appreciate all the love and support that it's gotten thus far. We'll keep it right here for just a couple minutes now at the tail end of the episode. If you are new to the 120 Podcast through today's interview, stick with us. This is just a, a taste of what we do on our normal episodes, a couple minutes of baseball talk. We're going to do Cubs. We're going to do the World Series. Let's start with the World Series as it stands, as we record on a Tuesday night, the Rangers up 2-1. Ben has his Diamondbacks jersey on there, up 2-1 in the series, albeit they're up 10-0 as I currently stand mid-game. 10-1 now. 10-1 now. Okay, 10-1 now as it currently stands. Uh, who had the one for the Diamondbacks? Literally seconds before we started recording, I looked it up. It was uh, – I don't even know. It wasn't even a – I think it was a it was a sack fly, so – what do you think about the World Series so far, Ben? Last night was an interesting game. The Rangers took it 3-1, pretty much 3-0 the entire game. Uh, Max Scherzer left with injury, and so did um, Adolis Garcia. No, Adolis Garcia. I'm sorry. I couldn't I couldn't remember for a split second. But, yeah, Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer both off the World Series roster um, for the foreseeable future. It seems, though, the Rangers are well on their way to a 3-1 lead. Yeah, it's pretty impressive to say the least. I think it's been a pretty good World Series thus far besides, I mean, I guess we're in two blowout territories now of two games, but that first game was phenomenal with the Corey Seager two-run homer in the ninth and then Adelise Garcia hitting the walk-off. They're going to miss him if this thing's going to get to 3-1 either way, but everything's kind of going the Rangers way right now. And it feels like that's if if they're they're marching their way to a 3-1 series lead after tonight. Uh, unless uh, anything unforeseen happens. So, yeah, I guess the injuries came at a all right time because they're about to be up 3-1, and this thing will eventually go back to Texas if they can't clinch it out today when this episode releases. So, yeah, it you know, it's been a weird postseason overall. I think a lot of, obviously, two teams you did not expect to be here. And it's just been some blowouts and games that haven't been that exciting. I'm really just I'm ultimately ready for the offseason at this point. I'm yeah, I'm kind of postseasoned out. 
even though I, I enjoy postseason baseball and I've loved seeing these two underdogs go all the way, I'm ready for this offseason start. Real quick, let's touch on Corbin. I know you're a big fan of him and the baby backs. Hitless yep. last night, 0 for 3 as we stand right now tonight in game four. Uh or is is a long is a whole extra month catching up to the to the rookie? It might be a whole extra month might be catching up to the Diamondbacks as we see right now. <laughs> Their luck might have run out. So I had a bat on Corbin Carroll to hit a home run today. That's why I have the jersey on. And, you know, I I was going to classes today and I was feeling a little bit uh, in the festivities of fall classic, even though today is Halloween. So that's why I have a, a Carroll oh, jersey. Yeah. I have a Carroll jersey as well as a Semyon jersey. And I bet on Carroll to hit a homer. So I was like, let's just bust out the Carroll jersey for the day. Because this is releasing November 1st, I didn't really consider that today as we record, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween, Ben. Yeah, exactly. Happy Halloween. And happy Halloween to all of our listeners. I, I hope there was some some fun baseball celebrations and just fun celebrations in general over the weekend. If you follow us on Twitter, you will see that Ben and I were together at one point over the weekend, actually two times. But the yeah. one time we stopped and took a picture um, as uh, Batman and the Riddler from the most recent Batman movie. Not um, planned either. Not planned. Unplanned. <laughs> I, had a, I had a couple's costume set for Batman and the Joker. And then Ben ultimately was also the Riddler. So it, Gotham was out in full force in my exactly, apartment yeah, exactly. on Friday night. Uh, we had a fun time. Let's touch on a couple quick Cubs things. We talked a lot about Pete Alonzo in our previous episodes. We talked a lot about re-signing Cody Bellinger. A new name has joined the fold since we last went headsets on, Ben, and it's, it's Juan Soto. And it's pretty insane, right? Because... There are three Chicago beat reporters that have all reported on it in David Kaplan, Michael Cerami, and Bruce Levine. Got to give them credit where credit is due. And they're the three that broke the Dansby Swanson news last year. So I am totally buying in on this new and uh, this new development with Juan Soto. And it makes it makes a lot of sense because we're seeing right now and the the early rumblings of the offseason is Cody Bellinger is going to wait as long as possible to sign considering he is a Scott Boyer's client so if the Cubs can hop on that big bat early in the offseason get a potential trade done with the San Diego Padres that would be massive and I know a lot of people are trying to figure out price tags what it might be the the, the big name right now out there is Christopher Morel and while people might be upset about you know is Christopher Morel potentially part of this deal? Folks, at the end of the day, you're getting the one of the great players in all of baseball, and he's only 25 years old. And I would assume that if they were to sign him, an extension would come with it. And I think we'll t- I think we'll touch more on potential offseason targets in later episodes, but you know, this is just qu- a quick debriefing. I you gotta be all over Juan Soto if he's truly available. I mean, to think he's only 25 years old. He was right. barely Brett and Michael's age when he won the World Series of the Nationals. Mm-hmm. If you think if you think about it, 21 years old, that's ridiculous. Uh, he is such a great talent. I know he's only – it's only the one year left, technically, right? So if they yes. trade him, they'd have – okay, so they have the one year under contract. So I hope the selling point wouldn't be ridiculously high. But then again, a year worth of Juan Soto, even, even just at face value, would take the team to the entirely new level. Yeah. Even even if it means not re-signing Cody Bellinger, although the Athletic reported today that it's looking like only six years, one forty-four is what I heard, and if that it'll be higher. But if yeah. that's really what the what the bottom line is for now, there's no reason why the Cubs shouldn't attack that. There's no reason the Cubs shouldn't potentially attack both if that's the case, especially if that's the price tag for Cody Bellinger that we're talking about. If I were to make a prediction though for Cody Bellinger. I think that teams are a little weary about giving center fielders, even though Bellinger's two years younger than a lot of the outfielders were when they entered free agency. I would have to assume that 
Cody would get anywhere in the Chris Bryant range of a contract, like seven for 188 would make sense. And even then, I'm still, I'm still buying in on this idea of if you want to improve on what you did this year, because you have a great foundation and set, why not go get both? Go get the guy that provided the most offense for you this year while making an addition on top of that and having if I mean if you want Soto and Cody Ballinger in the middle of your lineup, that's on top of the pieces that are already in place, it's one of the best best lineups in Major League Baseball. Add uh, Pete Alonso to the fold, and we'll see what we can do with an with an all star lineup. See what we can do with the Cardinals. Can't you think Paul Goldschmidt's sitting on his couch this week in a Bryce Harper esque way, thinking like, "Damn, what could have been?" Or it's, yeah. is it far enough separated? I think it might be. I think it might be a little far separated at this point, especially because he's had success with the Cardinals for so many years. Personal success. But it definitely has to sting a little after being like an Arizona lifer that, you know, they finally yeah. made the World Series and he, the, the anchor for so many years isn't isn't there. It's always got to sting a bit. You saw him this weekend too. My friend John is a diehard Cardinals fan, and he and I were talking about that yesterday. And John was saying, yeah, I would think that he's not, not only thinking like he's mad that it's the – or not mad, but sad to be leaving now to the Diamondbacks – it said he's like, why can't we have done this? How come we haven't done this so far with the Cardinals in his time there? I mean, it's been X amount of years. I think what three years by now, two three years, and it's and he uh, won an MVP even longer than yeah. that. I think four yeah. or five. He won. He won an MVP. Yeah, it's probably been two or three years with him and Arnado together ever since Arnado paid the Cardinals to take Arnado off their hands. So, um, it's been a couple great years with that roster, and they have completely underperformed. I think that's going to be the team that uh the what could have been for, for years to come if they don't find out a way in, in, in future years here. Maybe just slightly overclouded by the Atlanta Braves. You're talking about uh St. Louis? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be it'll certainly be interesting their approach this offseason because I think they want to contend next year. But who knows, man? I mean, they still got Goldie and Arenado and I don't think they're going anywhere. No. So they're always going to be scary. They're always going to be able to yeah. put nine guys in the field. That was the Cardinals' stick for so long. They're going to find nine guys that could be a playoff caliber team. And now they have an all-star infield, and they have underperformed, I would say, at best. Um, but let's talk a little bit about this Cubs team um, and what else the kind of the key points are. As we head into most of the offseason, we'll kind of flesh out a full offseason episode here. But the last talking point of this episode, let's talk a little bit longer about who else. Who else is on the radar? Obviously, Pete Alonso still in thought, um, but from there, it's a little murky. I would like to see what yeah. Jed does. And I would be like, I would like to see Jed sign somebody that I wouldn't have remembered and be like, oh yeah, I like that. I'm not going to say, go do this, go do that. There's the three obvious targets, Cody, Pete, and Juan Soto. Two out of three, any two of those three, I'm thrilled. Any one of those three, I'm happy. Yeah, it's it, it certainly is interesting because we really don't know where they are going right now. We know that they want to be better than they were last year. And that starts with getting a big bat in the middle of your lineup that can either produce the same that Cody Bellinger did last past year or even more and potentially Juan Soto or Pete Alonso. And then you kind of look at the pitching and it, the pit, everything's murky right now. Cause you really don't, you, you said it best. You really don't have an idea of what they're doing. I know they're talking to Kyle Hendricks about a potential extension. That's also something that's come up in the last week or two. So what, what, what does your rotation look like next year? Because I think we're all anticipating Marcus Stroman being back with the Cubs next year, or at mm -hmm. least being back with the Cubs through opting into his player deal. 
does that mean they potentially trade him and go and look at the starters out there? Because you, there are there do there are a couple of aces out there, and and Yoshin, Yoshinobu Yamamoto from Japan, and Blake Snell and Aaron Nola. There's there's a lot of question marks, and I think by the next time that we record, or by the next time we record a big off season episode, I think we'll have a better idea of what the plan is overall and who they're targeting and what because at once this world series ends everything kicks into fifth gear at this rate sorry about your jersey but it sounds like it could very well be over by the time you listen to this episode yeah Um, potentially if you're listening it tomorrow night yeah yeah we will see you tomorrow night for ben hootie and i'm mikey finale thank you for listening to this episode of 120 too much Cardinals references in this episode, by the way. We had a couple Cardinals minutes there, and then I did the Joe Buck thing, uh, the the, uh, the the Jack Buck thing, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, b- before we uh, let you go, though, thank you again to Brett Bateman, uh, Michael Carrico, both of them for the last two interviews. We have some big ones coming up, a voice you might remember from Wrigley Field that'll be out next week. Thank you for listening to 120. Go Cubs.